In C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, the story drives towards one end. And it isn't just getting rid of the witch so that, the, so that winter ends and summer returns, but the, the, it drives towards this point where the four children are seated on four thrones in Care Paravel. And Lucy says to Aslan at the end, when the, after the witch has been defeated, she says that they're afraid because they've never ruled before. They don't know how. And Aslan says to her, fear not, little one, I will be with you. And so whilst Jesus, kind of like Aslan, wins the victory, we are also called to rule and reign and live in his victory. And you know, the only way that we can do what Jesus has called us to do, to live as rulers and reigners in life, is in intimacy with him. So here's the big idea. Intimacy is the beginning of everything. Meditate on that. Intimacy is the beginning of everything because there's nothing that's worth doing that you can start stepping out in if you're not first starting in a place of intimacy. I think it is the most undervalued, priceless asset that anyone can engage in. It's open to all. It's free to all, but purchased at a very high price. People speak about bettering themselves. The self-help industries, multi-millions of dollars. People buy self-help books, do all sorts of things to improve themselves. You can see, I obviously go to the gym. Not. They study, they learn, they stretch themselves, and they're all good things. But if we neglect intimacy, we're exchanging something of great value for something of little value, still valuable. But if you do it instead of intimacy, you lose out big style. So we're going to go through three points. This is the first one. Does God desire intimacy? Does he really desire intimacy with me, with you? You know, maybe you're here today and you doubt whether God would want intimacy with you whether he'd turned his back on you because of the way that you've lived in the past. Or maybe you feel, well, God kind of lets me come in and sit in the corner, but I've messed up so badly that I know he doesn't really want to have that kind of deep, close relationship where we do incredible stuff together. Maybe you feel that you're too sinful or you're currently making too many mistakes for God to be interested. But you know what? The whole Bible is a massive love letter to us, telling the story all about how God wants to be intimate with you and everything he did so that he could be intimate with you. And the only barrier is us saying, we want to be intimate with him because he will never force us to love him. See, when mankind first sinned, what happened? We were removed from the garden, weren't we? Our sins separated us from God. And he placed an angel at the gate with a flaming sword so that we couldn't enter back in, that sin could not enter back into the presence of God, barring us from that intimate relationship like we had with the Lord. And the rest of the Bible is a journey back into intimacy with him. We see in Moses, the books of Moses, through the law and the tabernacle, God has this heart to be there right in the heart of the people, to be with his people. 
but also because of the law we learn that our good living us trying to fulfill the law and be right in our own our own eyes try and live as best as possible that will never make us right with God we can't come back into that kind of garden of Eden intimacy with him based on our own righteousness based on us trying to be good permission to be intimate with God is based on Jesus's performance not yours I think that's a big word, permission, because often people feel, hey, I don't feel like I've got that kind of permission to be good with God because I've messed up so much. But you know what? It's not based on you. And you guys need to get this so you can encourage others, encourage the people you'd be discipling in the future. The permission to be totally intimate with God, like Jesus and God had a relationship together, is based not on how good you are, but totally on how good he is and how amazing he is. No works could get you any closer to God. We know that, right? No, none of our good works could get us any closer to God. But that also means that now because of Christ, no sin, no mistake, no mess up will separate us from God. That he would see you and move away from you. He desires intimacy. He always has. And so hundreds and hundreds of years pass where the prophets speak about one who's coming to restore this intimacy between God and man, that the flaming sword barring the way back into intimacy with God was going to fall, but not fall on you, fall on this coming Messiah, fall on the one who would be judged for your sin so that we could pass that sort of judgment and enter back into intimacy with God. If you've got any doubt of God's desire for intimacy today, you've only got to look at the Christmas story. I said that at the Christmas Eve service for any of you guys who were here. You've only got to look at the Christmas story. That is a, the best, most amazing sign that he wants to be accessible to us, coming as a baby, easy to approach, that he came to us. That he didn't put some rules in place for us to get to him. See, no matter what you've done, who you are, how badly you betrayed him, he came to die for you. In The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, there's a character, one of the brothers, Edmund. And he betrays his two sisters and his brother. He betrays them and betrays Aslan. And he goes to the White Witch and he tells them where, As where they're all meeting, that Aslan is going to be going to the stone table and the story goes on and they're traveling the witch and Edmund and this dwarf are traveling there and in the night Aslan rescues Edmund from her and the brothers and sisters and they, they see in the morning when they wake up at the stone table they see Aslan with Edmund together walking together talking together there coming out of the forest it's this picture of, int of intimacy. Edmund, the betrayer, restored into intimacy with, with God. But then the witch turns up at the stone table and she says, that one sinned. Well, she doesn't use the word sinned, actually. That he, he broke the law. That he broke the law. And because he's broken the law, I claim him as, as my right. And she claimed the life of Edmund. She accused him. See, that's what the devil does, because he's the accuser, isn't he? He's the accuser. But Aslan, he gives his life in place of Edmund, says, I'm going to give my life in place of you, and he's killed on the stone table. 
but death can't hold him. And the stone table, if you remember the story, it cracks in two and Aslan the lion raises to life again. And then Aslan goes on to lead them and all the children and the other creatures into battle against the witch and they defeat her. Because he is with them. See guys, the Lord desires intimacy with you. So much so, he gave his life for you. He's gone to incredible lengths to open up the way for you to be able to come back into that intimate relationship with him. I love the word that I love not sharing what I'm going to speak on because I get so encouraged when songs speak about what we're going to speak on. When Steve got that word there about this God who is mindful of us. It's an amazing encouragement for us. See, that he would be alongside us, whatever you're facing in the peaceful times in the battle. Intimacy, and this is where I want you guys to begin getting your head around, or let's say reimagining intimacy. Intimacy is not a religious duty. It is a privilege. It's splendor and wonder lived out. Just imagine for a moment that you are there with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. That is the opportunity open to us every day. And we get to live it out. That's intimacy. The most wondrous truth in the world. Life-giving, life-technicolored truth that we get to live out. And it can be hard for us to see intimacy past that kind of bleary-eyed 5, 6 a.m. cup of coffee in hand, you know, I'll slain in the spirit. Actually, no, you just fell asleep whilst you were speaking to the Lord. You know? And for many of us, me included, that, that's often that early morning prayer time. Cup of coffee, cup of tea. But I believe that the challenge God's giving is for 2020 for us to live our vision and to mature in all God has for us as a community that we reimagine intimacy with him, that we take it and stretch it apart. And if it's not colored in, then we need to make sure we're imagining it in bright colors. So let's start looking at point two. What does intimacy look like? What does intimacy actually look like? We need to be careful of falling into the trap of when someone says intimacy, just kind of thinking, oh, it's reading the Bible for 30 minutes or three verses and getting up um, before the sun and spending some time with him. It is that, and that's great. But we have to be careful of we don't fall into that trap of it's this activity that I do and I tick the box and I feel a little better about myself and then I move on with the day. So we do need time for prayer. We should do that, it's great. We do need time to feed on the word. But in the same way, having great, that's kind of same way as you know, having a great conversation with a loved one or an amazing friend. Or you go out for, you go for dinner and you have this incredible dinner. It's not a hassle, is it? It's not a hassle. It's a pleasurable necessity. It is a pleasurable necessity. So too is intimacy. Intimacy is a pleasurable necessity. Necessity. I think too often we think of it as 
an unpleasurable not necessity. But I can tell you, this will completely transform your life. It is a necessity. If you stop eating food, something will happen. If you stop speaking to any of your friends and communicating with anyone, something will happen. This is maybe more like sleep because you don't notice it. It may take years before you start noticing the effect on your body. But like sleep is actually a pleasurable necessity. And with that, if you don't do it, it begins to affect you and your health and your attitudes. This is exactly the same. Intimacy is a pleasurable necessity. It looks like a constant conversation with God, not just a time slot. A life, a whole life listening to him, of engaging with him. Lucy said to Aslan that she was afraid to rule and he responded, don't worry, I will be with you. Jesus said the same thing to us. He gives us this great commission, which for the disciples must have been terrifying. He said, go to all nations, didn't he? I'm going to read that verse in a minute. He said, go to all nations. Imagine hearing that when you don't even know what that means. When the maps hadn't been drawn yet. When you maybe only knew as far as the Mediterranean and, I don't know, out to Persia or something. So let's read it. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He sets them an impossible task. But then the miracle worker, the one who they've walked with, who they've seen raise the dead, who they've seen heal blind eyes, who they've seen walk on water, and at that point walk through walls. He said, don't worry, because I'm with you. See, he calls us to a place of ruling and to a mission we can't accomplish outside of intimacy with him. He even says, doesn't he, to them, he says, he says, don't do anything. Wait, wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. It's this thing that I'm calling you to do, you, there is literally no way you can do it outside of relationship with me. You can't do it outside of intimacy with me. You've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Wait. And how then would we ever imagine that victory, success, breakthrough over all the things that he's putting on our heart would ever come outside of intimacy. See, intimacy looks like normal life. It looks like you speaking to him and seeing him in the midst of the challenges, but also in the midst of the mundane, going about the everyday. In the midst of the joys and the happy times. Sometimes we have a tendency just to run to him when everything's falling apart. It's you walking with him in those peaceful dawn moments, like Edmund, but also running with him into battle. It's you listening to him and trusting him. Lord, the Lord put this phrase in my heart whilst I was prepping. It says, there are places he wants to take you that you can only get to by trusting him. Let that sink in. There are places that he wants to take you that you can only get to by trusting him. And you know what? Intimacy builds trust. 
because you will know him all the better. So there, see, there are things and the things he's calling you to do, there's things he's calling us to do, which we'll only get to if we trust him and we'll only trust him if we are intimate with him. If you're going to do the crazy stuff, the impossible stuff, then you need to be intimate with him. See, do you remember the Israelites? They couldn't enter the promised land. They, they, until they came to that point where they trusted God more than their fear, more than the thing, the calamity they saw before them. However, right from the beginning, Joshua and Caleb, but we're just going to focus on Joshua, Joshua always trusted God. Even from that first time that the spies went into the land, he trusted God's word. They, what, they all saw the same thing. They all saw this nation of giants. We're talking giants. The descendants of guys, like later on, guys like Goliath and guys like that. They, they were giants. And they all come back and they're all freaked out apart from those two. And this is Joshua's response. Joshua's response is, no problem. God's with us. Because God said to go in there, so it's going to be okay. God's with us. He understood that God was fighting for them. And if you go later into the book of Joshua, you see the very first battle is fought by God. Remember Jericho, they just blow trumpets and God wins the victory. That's what Joshua understood. He trusted God to do the crazy stuff because he was intimate with God. Exodus 33, 11 says the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend then Moses would return to the camp but his young aide Joshua son of Nun did not leave the tent Joshua stayed in the tent presumably he was chatting with the Lord still the Joshua's victory and strength came from intimacy with the Lord intimacy for Joshua was experienced in the quiet in the tent in that moment of great stress, in the battle, in the big decisions, through his whole life. See, for us to go where God wants us to go, maybe that's personally, maybe that's together as a church as well, we need to cultivate intimacy through our whole life, amidst the busy moments and the quiet moments, where we can hear God when we're very stressed, when we can hear God when everything's going amazingly. But that's just our natural default to go to. In the busy times, in the quiet times, in the easy times, in the tough times, that we become a people in conversation with the Lord on the bus, in the bath, in the meeting room, in the office, in the classroom. Intimacy looks like letting God into every area of our lives. But also, not just saying, okay, God, you're open, you can come into that area where we talk about, okay, dealing with stuff in our lives, but actually where we engage with him in every area, listening to him, allowing him to speak to us. And when he speaks, maybe it's completely countercultural or complete, completely against the company culture or something like that, but actually where we are led by him and what he's saying. Intimacy is a truth that's set in stone. We know it. I think if you've been a Christian, a believer for a long time, you know he wants to be intimate. You know, that's, that's not to be questioned. It's very much there. We very much believe in it. But there can be a two-dimensional aspect to it. 
There's a part in Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe where the White Witch at her palace has basically turned a whole load of the characters into stone statues of themselves. And sometimes the way we view our relationship with God can look a little bit like this stone statue. Can be where the detail is perfect, it's completely a true image an exact representation, but there is a kind of lifelessness to it. That we know there's life under the surface, but it, it feels a little lifeless. But I want to encourage you, that isn't, that, is, that isn't the life. That isn't the intimacy that the Bible speaks of. Sometimes it can look exactly right, but dormant in some way, where it's not experienced in the fullness of life that our intimacy was intended to be. And in the story, Aslan comes into that place and he breathes on these various creatures and the creatures turn from gray into the colors that they should be. And life comes back into them and the stone breaks off and they shake free and they live and they move and they, they become four dimensional again. They sound and they smell, and they speak. Let him breathe on your intimacy today. Just rest in that place with him. Even as I speak, just feel, if you feel that's you, that there's some area of intimacy that's kind of stony, let that stone just crack off. That it would become fully alive and be dynamic. And just that your intimacy with him would be completely different in your eyes today and moving forward into the next year. That this intimacy is something that you're desperately eager for, to experience day in and day out. So that intimacy, to give another picture, it, that intimacy, it's like it moves from being just a painting of a beautiful summer's afternoon to suddenly beginning to feel the wind on your face and the heat of the sun and the smell of the flowers and freshly cut grass, that it moves from this two-dimensional experience to a four-dimensional experience where you're hearing God and you're smelling the fragrance of God. And there's just this beautiful, rich fullness of everything that's promised to us that we experience. And last point, what does intimacy do? What's the point? Is it just to, because you see, we do not, get closer to God through putting aside a whole, or rather we don't get acceptable to God. We're not saved because we go through a whole load of uh, processes where we have certain amounts of time every day where we're spending time with God. No, we're saved because of Jesus. So what does intimacy do? See, intimacy is not just some religious tick box that has no effect apart from to make us feel a little bit more spiritual. It has an effect though. Intimacy changes the world. Intimacy with him, I'd use the word, it repositions us. It changes everything. So to be in his presence is to be in the place of blessing. David experienced this because he would just go and sit at the foot of the, uh, sit at the foot of the ark, just in the place of blessing. 
is to have a clear view of everything because we've stopped thinking about everything in our us and ourselves and occupied with ourselves, but actually we got intimate with him. And when we're intimate with him and we're picked up into our father's arms, then we get a much better perspective of all things. God isn't inviting us into a burden. He is inviting us into a blessing. No, God never puts things on us, which is a burden. You've got to do this and do that and do this. He's inviting us into a blessing because intimacy with him is the place of blessing. See, when we're intimate with him, we know him more. We, un- we hear his voice clearer. We trust him. We have faith in him. And all things are possible, the Bible says, for those who believe. For those who believe that incredible stuff can happen, but it all starts in intimacy. Intimacy leads to a broadening of all possibilities. As you spend time with him, the fruit of the Holy Spirit will grow in your life. Love, hope, joy, peace, patience, self-control, kindness, gentleness, all these things. Just like we said last week, don't try and muster these things up. They're a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It means the Holy Spirit will grow them in you. So you've got to water your heart and your soul with being with him. You'll find in intimacy those things grow and things that annoyed you before suddenly stop annoying you. You'll find that you've got a patience. You're like, I have no idea I've got patience for this because I used to like rip their heads off for this kind of stuff. You'll feel this amazing peace even in calamity. Intimacy will bring a confidence in him and his ability. Another word for confidence is trust, right? Trust in him and his ability that will make you more confident to heal the sick because you're not worrying about yourself and things that are going on in you. You'll just see, actually, he's amazing. And I know him really well. I was chatting with him this morning. So be healed. Give us more confidence to step out in that. More confidence to ask for miracles, to step out into the impossible. The more intimate we are with him, the closer you see who he actually is, who he is. And the less doubt there will be over all things. Some of you guys, and I want to encourage you in this because I know these will be things you're thinking about for next year. Some of you have incredible dreams. Some of you have incredible desires, but you're still trying to do them in your own strength. Still trying to work out the path from here to the end. Sometimes we have the vision and we don't start unless we can see the whole way to get there. Well, actually, the truth is, very rarely will we ever see the whole way on how to reach the end. Some of you maybe haven't started because of fear or feeling, well, that's something I couldn't do or not even knowing where to start. But intimacy with him will, be, will bring a confidence in him, a confidence in what he's saying to you to step into that calling upon your life. You know, you guys may not have fully added the, connected the dots, but actually a big part of our heart 
As harbour is to be a place where we send people to go and do incredible things around the world. I'm not saying that is you, but certainly that means people within this church, and as we grow, people coming into this church, I believe God's going to bring people here who have a heart to see the world transformed, and that we are going to be a place that sends people. So I want to encourage you, if you've got crazy dreams, you're here for a reason. Because I believe, and that's the heart of this church, that we will see people go and live crazy dreams for God. If that's you, I want to encourage you, pursue the vision. Come tell me the dream. Let's talk about it. Let's pray over it. I'd love to encourage you. Intimacy will mean you trust him to carry you through the impossibility into your calling. So as you abide in him, as you dwell in him, you're going to hear his voice. You're going to recognize his voice. You're going to get to know him. Sometimes you may end up taking a wrong, wrong road. That's all right. It always brings us back. It means that the opportunities open to someone who is intimate with the Lord are endless. Endless. You know, just like the four children reigning on the four thrones in Narnia. They're assured that Aslan's with them. So too are we assured that Christ is with us, that he'll never leave us, that he'll never forsake us. What is it that intimacy does practically in life? It does everything. It is everything. See, the beginning of all things must be intimacy. If I came to Hong Kong and it didn't come out of a place of intimacy, then I'd just be doing something I fancied doing in my own strength, in my own thoughts, in my own way. So because without intimacy, we have nothing. Because we don't have him who is everything. It, it's the beginning of Christianity itself. When you became a believer, it was all about the Holy Spirit coming to dwell inside you. If you're coming here every week and fellowshipping with people, that's great and it's important. As I said, we're about Sundays, we're about small groups. They're those two moments in the week to grow and encourage each other and to prioritize. But if you're neglecting intimacy throughout all that, you're missing the greatest fellowship. And in fact, the one relationship that brings health to all other relationships. Intimacy with him brings the wisdom and revelation for all and any situation. I want, just now as we come to a close, I want you to stretch your minds on maybe what you thought intimacy with God could look like. You know, whether it's how to deal with a challenge, could be how to be a better parent, or something more practical like starting a business or starting an organization, solving a big problem in the world. You need revelation before you start. The world, the world needs us to be intimate with God because we, not because we're amazing, but we can have access to some of the major answers to some of the biggest problems the world's facing because we know the one who knows everything. You know, some little stories. There are people who are being intimate with God, are getting solution to some of the big problems in the world because they are sitting in intimacy with him and being led 
by him. Some of you guys have heard me share about the medical research group, researchers studying cancer research who had revelation from God and they saw their research get dramatically, they did in three years what they said would probably take 13 years to do. I heard a story recently of a guy that God, he saw that thing about the big garbage patch in the ocean um, the size of Texas and he went to God in prayer and God gave him wisdom and revelation, almost like a prophetic download of a solution. And he went away and they've got funding and they've got ships out there harvesting the plastic and they're turning it into homes for refugees and crisis victims, all from a word from God. What are the problems in the world that the world faces? Could we solve? What other answers could there be because we just decide Let's get intimate with him. See, there's nothing more important than investing your time this coming year in intimacy. I truly believe that. That's going to impact you and your job and everything that you, everything that you do, your rest time, your time in your families. Because he is the source. It will be an adventure. It will take you to bigger risks. It will take you to bigger adventures and doing things, I believe, that you never thought would be possible. You'll have thoughts probably come into your mind. You think, why am I thinking that? That's ridiculous. Well, remember today when you have that thought, because it's not. And you, as you go on this journey of intimacy, all the while you're going deeper and deeper into relationship with him, seeing the fruit of the Spirit grow in your life. So guys, make a decision today that this is going to be the year that everything changes. Set time aside for intentional intimacy. That means we need to make a choice to live differently. It may mean we need to change our schedules, that we, that we share that with people and say, hey, look, I'm, I'm going on this journey and I need this process in my life to get this going. Can you hold me accountable over that? If you're not in a home group, that's a great place to keep this accountability, to go on a journey together. If you're not in a home group, join one. We'll start more. I want to encourage you, don't set some vague goal of intimacy. Okay? Often goals aren't reached. But just set a process, set a system in place. That may mean, that may mean saying, okay, I'm going to give this bit of time every day just to speaking to God, not in a religious way, but actually in a way where you just begin listening to him. And then actually that begins filtering out into the rest of your life. That may mean starting this intentional conversation between you and him. And I want to encourage you guys, when you go into intimate times with God, go in with questions, go in with questions. Maybe it's about the Bible. Maybe it's about how to end world hunger. Maybe massive questions, maybe tiny questions. But you're going to the God of the universe, this amazing privilege that we get to live in and live out. Put those rhythms in place in your life. Make it a priority and you'll find that conversation just spills out into your everyday. And so guys, just to close and invite Sarah back up, whilst Narnia is a story, it speaks of a better story where like Joshua, you can live a life of intimacy with the God of all creation, not for this warm, fuzzy feeling, 
not for religiosity, but that you can enter into all the promises of God over you and over us. That we can live and live out the thing that he's called us to. It really is the beginning of all things. So as we end one decade and we begin another and we move into another decade, that's my challenge to me, to myself, to all of you, to us as a church. Let's live this incredible life of intimacy with him. Guys, we're just going to go into a little response time. And I think, I, I just want to encourage all of you guys to hold this one thing as paramount for 2020. And just make some decisions between you and God right now. Make that commitment of intimacy with him. To set time aside to be intimate with him. To have these rhythms in your life. Listen to him now. Hear what he's saying to you. If you don't know how to do it, ask him. Hear what he's saying to you. And I just want to give an opportunity for anyone who's here today or listening on the podcast. If you don't know Jesus, if you've never been intimate with him, you've never, you've never accepted Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity today. If that's you, I'm just going to pray a prayer. Just say it after me. And this is you just saying, God, I don't have all the answers, but I want to follow you. I want to discover you. I want to live this life of intimacy with you. If that's you, just pray this. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for going to the cross for me and paying the price for my sin. Thank you for opening the way to have intimate relationship with the Father. I choose to follow you today. I choose to make you Lord of my life today. In your name, amen. Guys, just close your eyes. I'm not going to call you out, but if anyone did just happen to pray that, then just pop, pop your hand up in the air. So all eyes are closed. And if you're on the podcast and you prayed that, please send us a message. Send us a message through the website. It'd be great to hear from you and connect with you. Guys, just take a moment now then, just between you and God, just to make some decisions, even in yourself, to say, I am going to, it's going to be the most intimate year with God I've ever lived. If you'd like prayer just now, before we go into our last song, just put, pop your hands out and uh, come around and pray. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you, God, that we can be intimate with you, that we can come into this deep place of hearing your voice, God, that you would lead us, that in the trials and the challenges, in the, in the amazing adventures that you call us into, God, you don't leave us in that, but you join us in the battle. You join us in every single place, Lord, that we find ourselves, that you are there. Lord, that you walk with us and you support us and you surround us, God. Lord, I pray today that all of our hearts would be challenged into this amazing life that is available to us in you. 
this amazing relationship, Lord, that you right now, just as we're in prayer and worship, God, that you would let your breath just fill this room, God, and any areas where our understanding of our relationship with you has kind of turned to a perfect statue, a bit rocky, God, that you would just break that off and it would come to life, God, and that we would just smell your fragrance in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, come now and just minister to hearts in your name.